0: I'm Doug Dobing. Welcome to Subject ACT on Tuesday the 19th of April. Today on Subject ACT, we talk with Community and Public Sector Union Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent-Peach about the $20 million funding cuts to the nation's cultural institutions, putting many priceless cultural relics at risk of long-term damage. Stay tuned for more on Two 2XFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. According to CPSU Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent Peach, the recent $20 million funding cuts to national cultural institutions is likely to result in staff cuts, loss of specialised knowledge, reduced opening hours and even long-term damage to many priceless cultural relics. To talk more about this, we welcome Community and Public Sector Union Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent Peach to our programme. Beth, welcome to Subject ACT.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: As part of December's Mid-Year Economic Fiscal Outlook, funding to six national cultural institutions in Canberra will be reduced by more than $20 million over the next four years. Can you give us a background to these funding cuts?
1: Well, yes. In the MyEFO announcement, there was $36.8 million cut from quite a range, actually, of cultural institutions. That'll be applied through a 3% efficiency dividend, so-called efficiency dividend, that'll be applied for the next number of years. But I think it's also important to note that these funding cuts are on top of a previous round of funding cuts. Announced in September 2013, there was a funding cut of $29.4 million. So if you add them all together, we're really looking at over $60 million worth of cuts to cultural institutions.
0: Which cultural institutions are affected by these cuts?
1: Well, the latest round actually affects the Australian Film and Television Radio School, the Australian National Maritime Museum, the National Film and Sound Archive of Australia, the National Gallery of Australia, the National Library of Australia, the National National Museum of Australia, the National Portrait Gallery of Australia, Old Parliament House, or as it's otherwise known, the Museum of Australian Democracy, and Screen Australia.
0: And these institutions play a vital role in Australia's cultural history.
1: Oh, they have a fundamental role. For all Australians Obviously we don't all around Australia Get to visit them as regularly as everyone would like But they have travelling exhibitions That do go to rural and remote communities as well And they provide a link to our past these are workers who very carefully go over the very best of Australia and preserve, nurture the best of our film, the best of our oral history, the best of our written history, our newspapers, photographic evidence, government transcripts. All of this is carefully kept and preserved so that our future is able to be the best it can be because of our past being preserved.
0: So what are some of the implications of these funding cuts?
1: The fundamental problem is that the cultural institutions never really had any fat to trim in the first place. So we're talking about institutions in heritage listed buildings with legislative obligations about what they've got to deliver but, you know, diminishing budgets really have a very deep impact. So the workers themselves are clearly affected because we are looking at job losses flowing out from these job cuts but importantly for all Australia, the collections themselves are at risk. Already these institutions are saying they'll have to look at how they'll proceed moving forward. So one of the key programs that's used by 70,000 people every year is Trove which is a mm. digitalised collection at the National Library that everyone from family historians academics, school users so many Australians use that digitalised collection and the library is saying "Well, they are without adequate funding they're not sure about the collection moving forward and what they'll be able to digitalise. That's just one. I know the gallery has talked about a fact that it may need to close its doors one day a week because they'll be looking at how they'll meet those funding cuts. All of the Collections are at risk. Jobs are at risk. The travelling exhibitions are very much at risk, really, on so many levels. This is so damaging, and the damage can't really be repaired because if you don't keep pace with these collections, they're lost for all time.
0: So some of the damage you're talking about could be long-term.
1: For a collection to be really valuable, like Trove, it needs to be comprehensive. If it's not the comprehensive collection, if it's not everything digitalised, you know, if we start Mm. making critical decisions about exactly what newspapers might be digitalised, like it's clear to see that that will be a worry because it won't be comprehensive but we can't even anticipate the damage that will be done once not digitalised we can't go back retrospectively and fill in the gap and Mm -hmm. so who knows what in the future we might be looking for and have no memory of, it'll
0: be lost You gave a quote that the people who stand to lose their jobs because of the harsh and unnecessary decision are skilled and dedicated and the loss of their specialist expertise is impossible to put a value on it so we're actually looking to lose the specialised skill of many people as well.
1: Absolutely. I can't speak highly enough about the people who work in these cultural collecting institutions and they don't do it for the money. A lot of them are highly qualified experts in their field and they have dedicated their life to preserving these collections. They love the work that they do and if we can't keep those people, that's a huge loss.
0: We're looking at job loss, skill loss, even reducing of hours of these exhibitions, so a reducing of access of these facilities.
1: That's right, on all those levels.
0: Now, you said the Senate estimates expose that these important organisations have no fat to trim and that these are unreasonable cuts. They will ultimately come at the expense of our cultural history. Why do you think these cuts are unreasonable?
1: What was interesting about Senate estimates is that we had the heads of these institutions themselves saying there is no fat to trim. We're now cutting into the muscle and the bone. And I think for the heads of the institutions themselves to be saying that and for that to be just ignored is catastrophic. It's deplorable that we cannot listen to the experts themselves when they say this is going to cause damage. Why do we have these institutions if we're not going to fund them to do their job properly? It is appalling.
0: Labor Senator Katie Gallagher also said that cutting $3 million by June is an impossible task. Who knows what these cuts will actually impose in the next few months?
1: That's right. Because they've got deadlines to meet these targets with these funding cuts, they have to make very knee-jerk reactions. So I think it's first and foremost, there is no fat to trim. But if you had longer, you would make better decisions. But if you've got these sharp deadlines, they're having to make critical decisions as blunt as, well, we won't open on a Monday anymore. Because that's a certain amount of revenue We won't have the lights on We won't need the security We won't need the staffing There's an instant saving But what does that mean? So yeah, many people yeah. come to the capital Expecting to be able to see these cultural institutions And for them not to be open That's damage done
0: And that can affect business long term as well
1: That's right And of course one of the big users of our national gallery Our national library Our national museum are school groups Who come from interstate You know, And that brings in a lot of capital As well as interstate travellers And international travellers who come for the big blockbuster exhibitions, if they're not open or they aren't able to attract those big blockbuster exhibitions because of funding cuts, then that has a knock-on effect for our local economy as well.
0: The government senator, Zed Seselja, said that he thinks it's time we moved away from an efficiency dividend approach. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think Zed's right, and if only he would use his political influence to better represent the cultural institutions that would be fantastic he is on the board of the library and I know that this has been a somewhat uncomfortable space for him because he has said he's taken up the issues about the funding cuts and the impacts on Trove and on the library and on the other cultural institutions but he's got to fight harder because yes. he knows firsthand, as a board member just how tough these funding cuts are and he's right when he says we've got to move away from the efficiency dividend as a blunt instrument it certainly is it's got nothing to do with efficiency
0: because he went on to say that government shouldn't be asking institutions year after year to try and do the same with less resources. As you said, he's in that difficult position. What would you suggest that he probably should be doing to help?
1: Well, I I think he's got got to get louder. He's got to make his voice heard in that cabinet room and he's got to ensure that he really advocates for the library and all the cultural institutions. As a Canberra senator, he needs to advocate for us because it's our loss. It's everyone's loss.
0: Cutting the funding to these cultural institutions, is this decision by the government, is it locked in? Can we change it in any way?
1: Look, I really believe that we can. And in fact, the CPSU has a fantastic track record of getting results in this space before. The poor cultural institutions have previously faced harsh funding cuts that it couldn't manage, not without damaging the collections. And we fought very hard under a Labor government. We commissioned a paper, we did a lot of research, looked at the long-term impact and damage, and we lobbied an ALP government previously to look at the damage that was being done. The result of that campaign was that the ALP did their own research, released a paper called Size Does Matter, which highlighted the fact that the impact of the efficiency dividend on the cultural collecting institutions was disproportionate. And as a result, they gave those institutions an exemption that had a big impact. We turned that around. That was a really big win in that space. Now, I think it's tougher under a coalition government who have, for a number of years, in a number of ways, demonstrated that they're all about austerity and they highly value efficiency dividends and and savings measures. But if we can put enough public pressure on them around the impact of these funding cuts, I really believe that we can get these cuts unwound.
0: So what needs to be done to overturn the funding decision?
1: Right, so we are doing a number of things in this space. We have got a working paper that will be released next week. The working paper will very clearly highlight just what sort of damage is being done to the institutions. We have written to hundreds of prominent Australians asking them to sign an open letter to the Prime Minister. We can highlight to the Prime Minister the, the level of public support We want to bolster that open letter with a petition. We hope to have more than a 1,000 signatures on that when we present that to the Prime Minister. That's available via the CPSU website to anyone in the public to sign. And it basically it just asks the Prime Minister, it calls on him to recognise the damage done due to these funding cuts on the collecting cultural institutions and to unwind those cuts so that they can continue to do the important job that they do.
0: How can the community help?
1: So we've got a petition, we've got an open letter, we've got a working paper. And added to that, we are asking everyone to come out, bring their friends, bring their families, bring their kids to an event that we're hosting on the 28th of April that's at 6pm. It will be a candlelight vigil called Unenlightened to capitalise on the fact that these cuts are are such a poor decision and really need to be unwound. That's going to be an event on the lawns between the Portrait Gallery and Questacon, and we are hoping that we will have a huge number of people come out in support of the cultural institutions and we can get some public profile on the fact that these cuts are not supported by members of the public.
0: At the Unenlightened candle vigil, will you have different guest speakers to further educate the community what's going on?
1: We will I don't want to preempt exactly who will be speaking, but we have had some great show of support from a range of artists, comedians, dancers, singers. So there are some very interesting people who would love to speak out in support of the cultural institutions and obviously politicians as well. So I think it will be a good event. It will be short and sharp. We're not asking you to come for hours, but if your listeners would please come out, bring their friends and family, come along. I think it'll be a wonderful event.
0: Sounds like it would be a cultural surprise in regards to entertainers possibly comedians to help support this funding, if you want to say funding crisis.
1: That's right and we're just finding that people everywhere a surprising number of people in all walks of life use these cultural institutions, love them and are horrified at the idea of them facing a funding cut that would see their role diminish. So we've just got to get out there and show that level of support.
0: Do you think a lot of people are aware that this is actually happening at the moment? Like there's a risk that a lot of our cultural institutions may reduce their services their staffing?
1: I'd like to think that there's good awareness but clearly not enough because when we stop members of the public who are going into the institution and ask them if they'd like to sign the petition we've been surprised how many people didn't know about the funding cuts and are appalled at the effect that they're going to have I think in Canberra the cultural institutions are very well loved and it is a point of pride for most of Australians that they live in the capital where these wonderful exhibitions are open to the public And that they cherish them But we've got to make sure That that message spreads Broader across Australia And that people realise What's at risk For future generations If we don't step up now
0: Because it's not just a risk Really to the Canberra institutions it's, It has a wider impact In the rural communities as well
1: Absolutely Not just because of The travelling exhibitions Of which most of the Cultural institutions Have original focus Where we take the exhibitions Out into rural and remote areas But also because So much of it now is digitalised. So the Trove Mm. digitalised collection is accessed not just by Australians, actually, but internationally.
0: So for people wanting more information...
1: Uh, If they would visit the CPSU website, which is as easy as www.cpsu, you will find it under any search engine. And there is a petition there to sign and a lot more information and certainly also the details of the unenlightened
0: event. Thank you very much, Beth.
1: Thank you for having me. That
0: was Community and Public Sector Union Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent Peach Talking about the $20 million funding cuts To the nation's cultural institutions The CPSU is concerned that the community Is not aware of these funding cuts Affecting Australia's cultural institutions And asks for your support to spread the word More information about the online petition And the unenlightened candlelight vigil On the 28th of April Can be found at www.cpsu.org.au Stay tuned for more on 2XFM 98.3 people powered radio. Thank you for listening, I'm Doug Dirving on Subject ACT. Have a great day.